and welcome to the iPhone Life Podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Averbach, CEO and Publisher. Each episode, we bring to you the best apps, great gear, and top tips in the iOS world. And today, we also are going to bring you a hands-on review of the iPhone 12 Pro, which I'm holding in my hands for those of you watching the video version of this podcast. And so pretty. I'm kind of gloating a little bit because I'm the first one at our company to receive mine. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. You should. You fancy. <laughs> yeah. So we have a fun episode for you. Um, I'll, I'm going to tell you about how it's been going with the camera, which just spoiler, it's better than expected and Ooh. how I like the design. Um, and then we'll talk about other features like 5G and MagSafe charging, which I have not had a chance to uh, try out myself yet, but we'll talk about um, what that what we've heard about it so far. So we've got a lot of fun stuff for you this episode. And David, why don't you tell us who our sponsor is today? So today's sponsor is Raptic, and Raptic has really excellent iPhone cases. Uh, for um, they have them now for the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro, as well as all older phones. And they really just cover the bases of what you're looking for in an iPhone case in that they're really affordable. They offer great drop protection. They have 10 feet drop protection. Uh, They're sleek. They look nice. They have this anodized metal rim around them that looks really nice and protects the phone well. and so make sure you check them out. Uh, you may know them. They were a sponsor in the past by the name of Vixdoria. They have rebranded to Raptic. So you can go to rapticstrong.com or we will link to it in the show notes at iphonelife.com slash podcast. I also want to tell you about our free daily tips newsletter. If you sign up at iphonelife.com slash daily tips, we'll email you every day with a one minute tip teaching you something cool you can do with your phone. And right now we're really focusing on iOS 14 tips. So you'll be learning all of the new features that you probably haven't discovered yet. So go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips. And I have a fun tip to share today, David. And Ooh, this I'm is excited. one you, you also, I think, have used differently than me. So it'll be fun to talk about why we personally like it. And that's how to add a caption to photos with iOS 14. So um, with this latest software update, Apple has allowed you to organize and customize your photo collection more than they have in the past. And captions is one of the way they're one of the ways they're allowing you to do that. You also now with custom albums can sort the order of your photos the way you want, things like that, which is really nice. But um, this tip is super simple. All you do is anytime you're open you have your photos app open and are open onto a certain photo, you just swipe up. And when you do that, you get all the usual stuff that you saw before. Like you'll see if there's any people pictured there or things like that. But right below the photo, you'll see a little gray box where you can add a caption. And so if you can just type in details there. And the beauty of this is that the captions are searchable. So anytime you then go to the um, search tab, which is over on the far right of the photos app, and type in any of the keywords you used in that caption, your photo will show up. Um, So I've been using this for things like taking pictures of receipts or notes or things like that that I left around my house and then add a caption to it, like my handyman's business card I did that for, and then I can can quickly type in the keywords and see all the details there or things like that. Or um, a paint, 
paint color little thing that I took a picture of. What do you call that? Swatch? No, something like that. I, I was going to swab, but I knew I was wrong, so then I didn't. <laughs> I think it. you're, yeah, <laughs> swab, you're like in flu season mentality. Yeah, I'm too in COVID land. <laughs> yeah, but how do you use captions, David? Well, okay. I mean, those are really good use cases. I, if I were to admit, I haven't really used them very much, but I will ah. say that I am excited to talk about this feature because when we were teaching our class, this was a really popular feature. It's actually something that our audience has been asking for for years. So there's two main ways that I've heard from our audience that people are using it. The first is similar to what you're talking about, which is kind of as a tag system. So Apple allows you to search and it does a pretty good job on sort of the basics of like people or location and even some things like you could do hats. They'll show you people with hats on and things like that. Or like there's dog a de- and then dog, all the pictures. Yeah. yeah. But there's a degree to which it just can't do. And so you can use this to tag that. Um, so if you want to have very specific things like holiday party 2018, you know, things like that, you can tag your photos or however you want to do, you can create any form of tagging system. So that's one really powerful use case. And I think that's how our audience wants to use it. The other way is, and I think the main way that Apple is intending for this to be used is for albums, especially shared albums. Apple has added a lot of new functionality for albums and shared albums. And so that was what Colin was saying, where he had gone and created an album of kind of a genealogical like family tree of parents, grandparents, and et cetera over the years. He shared it with his family, but he put a caption on each one so you could be like grandpa in England to 1918, you know, something like that where each one then when you're sharing it has a description where people know what it is. Um, so those I think are the two most valuable use cases that I've heard so far. But yours I like a lot. Great- yeah, I was going to say, that's a great use case for something like that, especially, you know, genealogy, if you're sharing a, an album that with people that, you know, your other family members might not even recognize. Um, yeah, it, it, honestly, it, it kind of inspired me to want to share albums more because I don't typically do that. And often, you know, I, for example, when I go on a trip, I'll come back. I went to Egypt and had all these amazing photos and I just... They're on my phone. No one ever sees them, you know? And so I, I, it would be fun to, like, kind of go a little bit old school, which is not that old, but, like, create an album and send it to my friends and have, like, you know, here's me at the pyramids and et cetera, et cetera. Like, I think there's – I feel like people need will start doing it more now. Yeah. I mean, as a side note, Apple also, in my experience, has really improved their shared album feature. Like I used to kind of avoid it because it would take a long time for people to actually receive the invitation for some reason. And then the photos loaded really slowly. And so I feel like it was just iCloud has gotten better now and doing shared iCloud albums is just um, works pretty seamlessly at this point. What about you? Does it? Or well, are you saying okay. it hasn't? I tried lately. The capacity to share an album does feel like it's gotten a lot better. Like if I have a bunch of pictures, I can send it to someone, it'll automatically combine it, or I could put it in an album easier now. The area that feels like just an area that has not been solved, that all of us suffer from, is the collaborative album, where like you go to a wedding, everybody takes photos at the wedding, you want everybody's photos in one album. 
Number one, iCloud is not a good solution because some people have Androids, unfortunately. you Everyone has that one friend. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, and number two, I find that even if everyone has iPhones, that functionality of everyone uploading into one album just never works. Um, really? So I've been having a different experience lately. Okay. Yeah, it was my family. Know. With my family now, um, so it's like shared with six people. Um, mm. We have been doing lots of shared albums, iCloud albums of my niece and nephew. And it's like, it's actually working, which is so nice because in the past, I've found it very frustrating. Like, you know, a few um, of our coworkers went on a trip to Mexico a few years ago um, after a big conference in Vegas, CES, for those of you who are, you know, in the tech loop. Um, and it was super fun, but we had we really wanted to share photos, and we ended up using an app from Facebook that has now been expired. What was it called yeah. again? It was called Moment, and I was just Moment. getting ready to say that I really miss it. It was the I solution know. to this exact problem, and I don't know why Facebook killed it off. I guess it probably has never gained traction, but you need something that is uh, that is operating system agnostic, so you you can't really be a Google or Apple solution unless. Google and Apple learn to play nice, which is unlikely. Yeah. Um, although I will say that Google Photos can work because it, there's an Apple, there, uh, uh, an iPhone app for this. But yeah, if yeah. everybody has an iPhone, even so, I've steered clear of the iCloud shared album. So it's nice to know that those are working better. Yeah, and like for people listening, anytime you have, um, you know, have selected some photos or an album or something and you go to the share menu, you'll have that option pop up to either add it to an album or add to a shared album. And you can go from there and create one and invite other iPhone users or Apple users to it. So we sorry, we got a little off into the weeds. Um, <laughs> As but, we do. So that's how you add a caption to a photo. <laughs> <laughs> Brought us right back, Donna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, moving right along. Um, I wanted to tell you all, we, I told you about our free offering, Daily Tips, which are awesome and you should sign up for if you're just getting started um, with iPhone Life. But we have a premium subscription that's our educational platform that's called iPhone Life Insider. And right now is an especially awesome time to join because we're offering a 50% off discount to the subscription in celebration of the iPhone 12 series release and of iOS 14. We just released a guide and we have a whole course on iOS 14 that you can watch so you can make sure to learn from start to finish what are all of the new features and how to take advantage of them. And not only that, but we offer up like how um, really the context of like how it's useful in our lives, how it can be useful in your lives, um, because Apple does a good job of telling you what the features are, but not necessarily how to apply it into your life. So iphonelife.com slash podcast discount is where you can go to claim that 50% off right now. And we're offering this for a limited time. We've been running this promotion for a little while. Um, so we're kind of wrapping it up. So now is the time to go take advantage of it if you want to lock in that 50% off. We never offer a better deal. And um, we have already a senior discount available at all times that gives you 10% off. So you can apply that on top of your 50% off and get a total of 60% off right now. Yeah, um, if you a, are a, a veteran, service personnel, or... Senior, or healthcare senior. professional. Yes, thank you. Or Yeah, uh, and a couple of things. Uh, it is wrapping up soon. I think, I believe it's next week is the deadline to claim your 50% off. 
Uh, and um, as Donna said, this is the cheapest we ever offer. You will literally never be able to subscribe for cheaper, I promise you. So if you've been thinking about it, this is your chance because it's ending. Number two, you'll probably be seeing an email from me soon, but I am so excited to announce in addition to our iOS 14 guide, we have updated several new guides to include IO, to include coverage for all the updates. So we are coming out with an update to our iPad guide that has all of the new features for iPad OS 14. So everything new will be added to this guide. In addition to that, what other guides down to the messages guide? Messages, FaceTime, um, and uh, those are the ones that are coming to mind right now. But So it's the iPad guide, messages, and FaceTime, and um, we have more coming. We have, we've been really growing our video team, and so we have a lot of awesome video content behind our paywall that you don't want to miss out on. Yeah, you do not want to miss out. And now's the time because it's the cheapest it's ever going to be. Yeah. So it's iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. And that's a wrap on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a question from one of our insider subscribers I wanted to share with you all. I think this is kind of a fun one. And Cullen is our resident expert these days who answers our insider questions. This is one of the benefits you get when you sign up. If you have a tech issue, you can ask us. So here is the question. How do my wife and I set up location tracking for each other on our iPhones? We both have, um, they both have the latest iPhones with iOS 14. Sincerely, where did you go? (laughs) Dear where? So a while back, Apple changed its Find My iPhone app and Find My Friends app, merged them into one app called Find My. And so that's my, I presume that's why this person was confused because where you go has changed. So you open up the Find My app, And um, first, before you do that though, each of you will need to turn on location sharing. So you go to settings, tap your Apple ID at the top, go to uh, tap find my and toggle on share my location. So that's the baseline. You have to be sharing your locations in order to do this. Now, each of the, um, the husband and wife need to go open the find my app, tap on the people tab in the lower left corner, tap share my location, enter, the spouse's name and phone number and then tap send. So you're like sending an invitation to share. So you can choose to share your location for one hour until the end of day or indefinitely. Once your wife gets the notification that you're sharing your location with her, she can then choose to share hers with you too. So Donna, are you a location share? Um, So I feel like I explained that in a really... In concise way, hopefully people got that. But yeah, part of the reason we chose this question <laughs> is because we wanted to discuss a little bit the controversies around location mm. sharing with other people. No, I do not share my location with my spouse, but I do share my location <laughs> <laughs> um, with my best friends. And I get, I think, you know, I've I've talked to Tyler about this, and we both agreed that to us it felt a little creepy to be tracking each other's locations. Mm-hmm. And we don't have any practical reason that we need to. I mean, both of us are pretty good about responding to each other's texts if, you know, we need to get in touch or find out where the person is. Um, but we just felt like it. there was the potential for it to create an unhealthy dynamic. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's it's definitely one of these same like privacy versus convenience conversations 
But in addition to privacy, it's like, yeah, d- privacy between couples is a really hairy area that everybody has their own opinions on. And so, and this conversation brings all of that up. But why is it, to, um, I, and I'm going to lean in. <laughs> so lean why in, is David. it creepy for you to share with your partner, but not with your best friends? I think it's just because um, it, you know, in my experience, and I can't speak for other people, but there's just more potential for um, like possessiveness or jealousy or controlling behaviors in a romantic partnership as opposed to friendships. So there might be yeah. more like potential for emotions that you don't want to encourage in a relationship to come up. So yeah. that's why I steer clear. But actually, I have had with my friends um, some situations that are like slightly odd. I think we've shared with each other just we thought it would be kind of fun and we're trying out the feature and um, you know there is some practical benefit too like if someone one of my friends is going on a date with someone new or things like that it's kind of there's some safety aspect to it that we can track each other Um, but there's definitely been times in my friend group where we've been in fights or like not on the best terms (laughs) and knowing at those times that I'm sharing my location adds like an extra complication and then I'm like should I unshare it but then that feels like a statement so (laughs) and fun fun story too um I feel like for years uh the people who went on the Mexico trip like just kept sharing our locations with each other (laughs) at work without without even thinking about it I might still be sharing my location with you I have no No, you unshared it with me thank you very much (laughs) (laughs) not that I checked no just kidding (laughs) yeah that was that was to send a clear message David yeah I got received loud and clear Yeah, what about you? Tell me about your location sharing. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts on this. My partner and I do share location, um, and it's it's gone fine. It's, it hasn't been an area of conflict for us. I And, you know, it's sort of just the practicality of um, sometimes we aren't the best at texting each other updates. For example, like if we're in the car, so it's been nice, like one use case was like, uh, my partner was driving home from out of town and I was gonna, wanted to have dinner ready for her when she came home, but she wasn't checking. She didn't want to text while she was driving. So before she had CarPlay. Uh, and so I could track her location and I had dinner picked up and warm exactly the time she got home. <laughs> so little things like that can be nice. And also, um, you know, it is, I do honestly, if she's out with friends, it does help make me feel safe. There's, it's like a safety factor. Like I know that like, oh, she's at her friend's house and she's not like, I don't know, passed out in a ditch or some awful scenario. Um, so mm. it's not, you know, it's less about like the like jealousy thing and more just about the knowing she's safe uh, if she is not able to text me and vice versa. So I, yeah, we've done that. Um, I will say a couple, a couple of caveats here. I one time accidentally let an ex have my location for like <laughs> several years. I think I've told you this story. <laughs> I think like right now we actually should have everybody listening go open up your Find My app yes. and just check who are you sharing your location with. Yeah, because you might be in for an unpleasant surprise. Mm, yeah, it was. I mean, I I don't know that she even realized it, so I, nothing bad came of it. Um, another use case, a couple other use cases. Um, number one, you already mentioned a little bit, but if you are doing anything that feels at all unsafe. 
for example, if you're going on a date for the first time, or you have a friend who's going on a date for the first time, that is a really valuable time to share a location. And you can do it, as you said, for an hour, for a day, so you don't have to feel like you're sharing it indefinitely. You don't have the awkward, like, I am now unsharing it with you. Mm -hmm. Um, But anytime you're doing anything that feels like it might be remotely unsafe, I think that's a really good time to be proactive about sharing. Um, We also, I one time had this scenario, and this was actually been on my list to share with everybody uh, on our podcast forever, so I'm glad to share it. Um, My, I was driving home from uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, from the airport. It was a blizzard, and it it was snowing so hard that that the windshield wipers on my car stopped working. Uh, the motor wore out and I couldn't see anything. And I, so I'm stranded on the side of the road with a, like in a blizzard. And Sarah, who's my coworker, who we who used to be on the podcast, uh, was driving behind us. And so we were able to share location and she could very easily know where we were because we were just on some random exit and come find us and picked us up and took us home. And that was one of those little scenarios where it would have been such a nightmare without location tracking, but it was so easy to navigate that with location tracking. That's very cool. Yeah, I just wanted to, I think that's a great reason to do it. Um, I just wanted to share like the, a story of a friend. I think this is what turned me off to location tracking in a relationship was that they were doing a long distance relationship and um, we live in a pretty rural area, so there's I think location tracking is maybe a little less precise. I don't know. But we were um, out to dinner and she had texted him being like, oh, out for sushi with a friend. And he was like, you're lying. You're at the Mexican restaurant. (laughs) I can see that you're there. Why are you lying about where you were? But like we were like around the block. I was there to vouch for her. That's where we were. But like it just kind of sowed seeds of distrust or something. It was strange. Um, yeah, and then and I was so kind of like, oh, I don't like that dynamic. And the other, to take that a little bit to the extreme, because I know, you know, Sarah is a big advocate of not doing location tracking, <laughs> because if you are in an abusive relationship, it, it can be a very controlling situation. Um, so it's, you know, if at the end of the day, my stance on it is if you're having these issues, it's not likely because of Find My iPhone. It's issues <laughs> in the relationship that need to be addressed either way. But certainly there are legitimate security and just safety concerns that can, it can, any issue you are having in any type of relationship can get you into trouble if they always know where you are. Uh, so that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Do that what you, what you wish. But let's move on and talk about... My new iPhone. <laughs> yes, much more fun topic than um, where we've been. <laughs> so I just first of all wanted to, for those of you watching the video podcast, show it to you. I ordered the silver this time around. In the past, I've I've gone gold. Last year with the 11 Pro, which I have here still, I got the matte green version. Um, but I'm loving the, I'm loving the kind of chrome casing on this and the mm-hmm. nice matte white back i'm already like really sad about having to put a case on it but uh from what you know apple's description the screen is a lot um more durable than the past but the back isn't so it's just as necessary to have a case and i still always recommend using a screen protector especially now that all of the iphones have oled displays which are really high quality um you're gonna pay a lot 
you're going to pay around 250 to replace your display and you don't want to have to do that. It's also a huge pain. So I would use a screen protector if I were you. But yeah, I think um, probably for me, the biggest surprise was how much I'm enjoying the design of it. Like I do mm. like the return to the flat edges. Um, they're able to fit because they don't have a curved display. They're able to fit a bigger display in a smaller phone. So this yeah. has a five. Wait, let me. Oh, this has I a 6.1 inch display. My iPhone 11 Pro had a 5.8 inch display and they're the same size. And is it noticeable? Like, is that difference in display size? Do you like n- notice it? It is. Yeah, it is noticeable. And, and like, I don't, they didn't emphasize this in the announcement, but the display quality looks better to me. Mm, too. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, it does look a little bit thicker than I expected. How is the width compared to the uh, iPhone 11 Pro? It is thicker. It's quite a bit thicker. I could pull up. I have a nice little Apple on its website has a nice um, feature where you can go compare models. I don't know off the top of my head the dimensions, but it, it, the um, the thickness is significantly more and it's heavier but it's not like it doesn't really it hasn't bothered me um i do feel like we've reached a point in iphones where it's like unless it really dramatically moves one way or the other it they're light enough and thin enough where it's not substantial but i'm surprised because i wasn't obviously apple isn't going to necessarily like advertise that they are making a heavier thicker phone but it, it wasn't on my radar that that was a factor to consider yeah, here, I'm just pulling up the details on this. So yeah, got it right in terms of the 11 Pro is 5.8 inch display, 12 Pro 6.1. Um, but then the dimensions, um, the weight, oh yeah, it is significant. Um, the 12 Pro, Wait, never mind. Oh, the 12 Pro Max is 8 ounces. Oh. And the 12 Pro is 6.6 ounces, 6.66 ounces, and the 11 Pro is 6.63 ounces. I don't know why I think it's heavier. That 0.03 ounces, though. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's good to know. So it is not heavier, but it is a little bit thicker. It's not even. I don't know. This is like all, now it's just messing with me. The width is... 0.01 0.01 inches it's a it's 2.81 width as opposed to 2.82 width so I, i'm I glad wonder, i checked this yeah i do wonder if it's largely a design factor where the the tapered edges do make it you perceive it as being thinner because you have uh it's the flat edges you can see the width a little bit clearer if that makes yeah, sense. yeah i'm glad i checked this because it does it's really showing like they are the same size it's just that um and definitely the 12 pro is a little bit taller but the width and the um length are the same mm, okay i have like a million more questions for you are you okay. ready yeah so we talked about the design let's talk about yeah. other things um why did you not go with pacific blue that's my first question well, last year I went with the new color that I was excited about with the green. And ultimately, like I ended up feeling like even though this is a nice color, it has a little bit of more of like a murky, dirty <laughs> look <laughs> to it as opposed like I feel like the light like this just looks um, shinier and prettier. Maybe it's like a wanting more of a feminine design potentially. I feel like the Pacific blue I just thought would end up feeling similar to me to the the green that i went with last year 
in okay. terms of like, because the Pacific blue, it, it's like a darker blue kind of. Gotcha. Okay, now my next question is the camera, which is the major upgrade. Is it noticeably better? What have you noticed with the camera? Yeah, so the camera is way better. And that's, really um, to me, that's what's making me feel like the upgrade was worth it. Because okay. having upgraded last year, I wasn't feeling as much of an urge. Like I already have a triple lens camera and yeah. you know, like a lot of the features are the same. I have the OLED display, all that. But the LiDAR scanner that's in now um, included along with the triple lens system and the there are improvements in the existing lenses, the um, light capture is just way, way better. So um, portrait mode, I noticed that it was like the photos are way better lit. It's been fun having both of them here and I've done like some side-by-side comparisons and I noticed just sort of like the portrait mode photos I was taking on my 11 Pro all had just more of like a grayish hue to them and like weren't as well lit. And mm. the the ones on my 12 Pro were um, like the the tone and the um, and the lighting just looked a lot better. And oh, then wow. I notice in portrait mode because and this I assume is because the lidar scanner the depth sensing capability is way better. So I noticed without having to mess with it after the fact um, that even just like the details around my hair it was very like accurate. And so there wasn't any of that sort of blurring of um, things on your subject that you don't want to be blurred. And then the mm-hmm. background was like blurred very clearly. So I think that um, that for people who like taking portrait mode photography, that's a, a big improvement. And then the night mode photos. I yeah. last year was really excited about night mode. Yeah, um, for those of you who don't know that Apple came out with this feature um, to take better low light photography there's you have to hold your phone steadier so that because it you know has a longer exposure as a dslr would in order to get enough light to um, create a nice photo even in a dark atmosphere but um i it wasn't very good like my experience with night mode in the last year has been that all of the photos turn out kind of like a orangey or reddish tone did you notice that yeah and you have to hold it for so long that it like if anybody moves in the photo, it ends up being blurry anyway. Um, yeah. I think there are a lot of scenarios where night mode is helping you and you don't realize it. Like if you're kind of in a slightly low light and you take a photo, you don't have to use a flash or you might have otherwise. But yeah, it, I agree that I both like it, but wished it was way better. Yeah, it's one of those features too that, like David said, it kicks in automatically. So you might not always be knowing that it's helping, mm-hmm. um, but you also can manually adjust it. But anyways, the um, the 12 Pro, auto, just on its own, the color tone is a lot better. It looks like I took a selfie the other night um, and I was just, first of all, it seems like it's doing it faster. Like it's not hmm. making you hold it, hold it still so long. Um, Apple mentioned that it focuses in night mode faster because that's sense. one thing too, that it was like taking a while to do. And just, yeah, it looks less strange. Like, I feel like night mode photos before, you were kind of like, there's something wrong with this photo. And this yeah. one, it just doesn't feel like that. So I think the camera alone is a um, a really legitimate reason to upgrade. I know that the um, 12 and 12 mini don't have, they don't, they only have a dual lens system. Um, yeah. So they're not going to have the LiDAR scanner or the telephoto lens, but um from reading reviews online of both of those two, I think the 
the photographer the camera is pretty good as well but it is to me that's the biggest reason to go for the pro or pro max i agree i i'm uh, after our last podcast the more i thought about it it if i do upgrade it'll be to the the pro or pro max um so okay you're upgrading from the 11 pro other than the camera were there other noticeable differences is it noticeably faster how's the battery life i'm assuming you haven't been able to test 5g sadly yeah, so the battery has been good so far, but it's like about the same as my 11 Pro. And um, yeah, so we live in the middle of Iowa and we're not somewhere where the 5G network has been built out yet. So I haven't been able to test that. I also um, need to apparently get a new SIM card. This was actually going to be my complaint for this week because I didn't realize like buying an unlocked iPhone from the Apple website and putting my old Verizon SIM card in my new phone it that I didn't know that was going to be a problem and it said Mm. I got a notification letting me know that I need to contact my carrier and get a 5G capable SIM card oh what a bummer yeah so for anyone ordering at home I think you know if you already know what your carrier is, go ahead and select that and buy your iPhone with a new SIM card in it. Would that makes sense. But also what I've choice. typically been doing lately, because it's so much easier than having to call Verizon, is when I get a new phone, I just literally swap SIM cards and then don't think about it. But I, you won't be able to do that this time around. You have yeah. to call Verizon and get them to port your number over to the new phone or whatever carrier you have. Well, I did... So I did switch SIM cards and it's working, but it's just saying I won't be able to use 5G. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And the speed, is it faster? Um, I mean, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those things like the 11 Pro was really fast, so it's not noticeable. Okay. To me, at least. Like, I haven't noticed a big difference there. Um, but, yeah, I wanted to just say with 5G, though, for for people who are in areas where it's built out, what I've been reading online from early hands-on reviews is that it is a battery hog. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that's like kind of a bummer about it. Um, and that is just very unreliable. Like if you happen to be oh. in, you know, walking down the block that does have um, a, a network, network coverage and that's not being blocked by buildings or whatever, like suddenly things will download at like twice the speed or whatever and that it's noticeable. But then it's just like finicky and not even in like cities, it's not available everywhere. It's like on certain in certain little pockets, you'll suddenly get really blazing fast speeds. It's one of those uh, future looking things, though. Like if you're buying a phone now, you need it to be 5G because it's going to get better and better. I mean, it was the same thing when 4G came out. It was like all of a sudden 4G would be like really fast. Then you drive another block and it wouldn't be there. But I think you're right that 5G is smaller signal so it's like it can it's much more block by block than like city by city yeah and it's a pretty cool vision to just the idea of having like real-time communication zero latency like the um the nfl app example they showed where you have like seven angles on a football game all streaming you know um without any latency at some point it's going to be pretty amazing and being able to like download a movie from Netflix basically like in a few seconds. Yeah. You know, things like that. It's going to be amazing. And it seems like even just in 2021, um, there's going to be, it's going to be a lot more wide, widely available. 
I think it's coming soon. It was one of those chicken and egg things where the carriers weren't incentivized to invest too heavily in 5G because the iPhone didn't work with 5G, but Apple wasn't incentivized to make the iPhone work with 5G until the carriers were investing, and I think they they came to terms. <laughs> um, right. Okay, so other than that, um, I want to... Yes, let's talk MagSafe. So is that what you're gonna all, ask her? <laughs> yeah, so that yeah, yeah, we're on the same page. Um, so okay. the box does not come with MagSafe with a MagSafe charger. Is that correct? No, it doesn't. Um, so the I the only thing that comes with the iPhone this time around is a USB C to Lightning cable. And so the nice thing with that is that it, it allows you to charge your iPhone with rapid charge, and that that means it can charge in. Um, up to 50% in 30 minutes, which is pretty great. In Does the past, we've with... just got gotten USB-A to lightning cables. Yeah. Does it come with the uh, adapter? Or are they saving no. the environment by not giving us an adapter? Cool. So you no longer get an adapter, I know. Which I, I mean, I do have some adapters around, so it's okay. But it's kind of, like, annoying. I think that's pretty annoying because I think, you know, you and I are fine because we've been rapid charging for a while now. But, like, most people, I would speculate do not have a USB-C adapter just lying around at home so they are going to have to go buy one yeah yep uh which is silly and it's like I'm all for saving the environment but it feels a lot more like they are saving their money than saving the environment on this particular scenario situation <laughs> yeah I would agree with that I, I adapter I mean just because of that fact too, like I haven't actually used mine yet. I actually don't have a USB-C wall adapter and I don't have a MacBook that has um, a USB-C port. So I can't even like plug it into my MacBook and charge it. Yeah. So yeah, they're making a lot of assumptions about people having those things or they're just forcing you to go out and spend like 30 to 40 bucks to buy one, which is annoying. Um, But yeah, so MagSafe charging is really interesting. Apple has like and the new iPhone 12 series has um, built-in magnets in the iPhone itself that will work with accessories um, to for wireless charging, for instance, also for car mounts and um, with certain cases it'll work too. And so David and I were doing a little research ahead of this podcast to figure out how it works exactly because um, I, I got my new iPhone, but I don't have any of the MagSafe accessories that would make it useful yet. Um, so... You actually have to, in order to use a MagSafe wireless charger, you f- need to have a case that works with MagSafe. Like I could, I could use it without a case at all with mm-hmm. a MagSafe wireless charger, um, but most people want a case on their phone and it doesn't sound from what we were reading like it'll work unless you have a MagSafe compatible case. Now, just annoying. to clarify, because the MagSafe chargers are the are also Qi Wireless compatible. So if you have a traditional Qi Wireless charger, you could put any case on your iPhone 12 Pro and use that Qi Wireless charger. But the magnetic functionality won't work. So if you have that, we believe, we have not yet been able to test this yet, but from our research, and there actually is not a lot of information out there because everyone's sort of in the same camp we are of still figuring it all out. But it appears that if you have a normal case, you have the MagSafe kind of puck, and you try to put it on, it will not work. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the piece that doesn't work. Apple, of course, sells uh, the Qi wireless or the MagSafe compatible cases. Uh, and Don and I were also mentioning that um, 
while I'm sure the case manufacturers are frustrated because they're all caught off guard, uh, give it a month and I guarantee you every single case manufacturer will have a MagSafe compatible case. So you may want to just hang tight there unless you happen to like Apple's cases, but they tend to be kind of pricey for what they are. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so the big benefits of MagSafe, because really what I just mentioned all sounds kind of like a big headache and like why now there's more to deal with, but it is pretty cool just in that um, the wireless chargers that are MagSafe compatible um, can charge your phone with 15 watts of power, whereas all Qi wireless chargers with the iPhone previously could only use seven and a half watts. Um, that means like even some Qi, Qi wireless chargers have been higher wattage, but that's the all that your iPhone could receive was up to mm-hmm. seven and a half watts of charging power. So this theoretically should charge your iPhone twice as fast if you have a compatible phone. Um, and the other nice thing is just that I've had the experience with Qi wireless chargers a lot where I didn't line it up right and I wake up in the morning and my phone didn't charge. So because they have these magnets in it, it like locks into place securely and so you'll get a good charge. So faster charging, more reliable charging. And that's yeah, I, and I, w- I was just getting ready to say that that actually happened to me this morning and I was real grumpy. I woke up and my <laughs> phone was dead because I just had like slightly gotten it misaligned and it happens to be enough where it's a really nice feature to have a magnet kind of align it for you. The yeah. other cool thing is I was preparing for this podcast uh, that they talked about the announcement, but like they kind of showed but didn't explain. But I think it's kind of cool. Apple now sells the little wallet piece of the case and it uses the magnet functionality. So you can have a normal case and then you can snap the wallet in when you want it. Because for me, most of the time, I want to just have my wallet because I have enough stuff in there that I don't want to deal. But like on occasion, if I'm not wanting to take up a lot of pocket space, it is nice to have and be able to use sometimes and not other times without having to like, uh, switch cases altogether or, or own multiple cases. So I thought that was a cool functionality, a cool use case for it. Yeah, I agree. Like, it does seem potent. Like, hopefully that magnet's really strong because it's your wallet's not something you want to snap off without you meaning to. So I just hope that <laughs> yeah. in that way that it's good. But um, but yeah, that's really nice. I mean, also for any sort of mount or dock type situation that's been using magnets. Um, I've had car mounts that are magnetically charged, this is a huge improvement as well, just because I hate having to stick a magnet to the back Mm -hmm. of my phone. And I'm sure many listeners have used accessories this way too. You get like gummy stuff on the back of your phone. It doesn't look that great. And um, it can be hard to keep track of all the parts. Like it's nice, it's just built in now. So if you get some sort of magnetic docking situation, it should just stick there. That's really nice too. And also this is another one that feels like it'll become more exciting as we move forward because Apple didn't give carrier or didn't give accessory manufacturers a lot of warning on this feature, but they now they're all working on it. And I've actually talked to several accessory manufacturers who are currently working on it and going to roll stuff out soon. So I, I know that there will be a lot of MagSafe compatible accessories coming soon and they'll be universal as opposed to before where there were a lot of magnetic based function solutions out there, but you had to only commit to one of them because if you had that specific fit of magnet on, then you would want to use those devices or those accessories. So now you could like have a Belkin in one room and a Scotia in the other room and it would all just work seamlessly, presumably. So I'm excited about that. 
Um, okay. Anything else you yeah. want to share about your experience? Or should we, I realized we skipped over our comments from listeners and no. I want to read them. Yeah. Those would be fun. Do you want to read some? Sure. So this one came from Johnny Walker. I wonder if that's, oh, John Walker. I, in my head, <laughs> translated that to Johnny Walker and then was going to make fun of it. But now <laughs> it's just my own subconscious <laughs> wanting to drink at 1030 in the morning. Uh, okay. The HomePod mini, so, so John Walker says, the HomePod mini is exactly what I've been waiting for. The original HomePod was way too expensive for me and was also a bit too big as I don't have a lot of space in my living room where I will use it. When I'm eligible for an iPhone upgrade in March of next year, I will. I definitely want to get the, the blue iPhone 12 Pro Max. So he's with me on the Pacific Blue. At least I won't have to wait for any back orders by March. That is fair. Although I am interested because most people are not doing the contract model anymore. So that's an interesting thing that he's doing that. Um, cool. Okay, next one comes from Abby. Uh, I would... I really would love the cute little iPhone 12 mini, but it doesn't have the new zoom lens, nor the 512 gigabytes of storage, and I'm concerned about battery life. Ooh, 512 gigabytes of storage, Abby. That is a lot of storage. Um, okay, any I comments on these? Abby a little sh- I want to give Abby a little shout out, too, because she's been in our uh, insider classes a lot and has been... Um, one of the more you know vocal participants and so it's fun to fun to hear from her yeah i, I also wanna... I, I i considered the mini and i had i had the same uh, concerns as her not that i needed 512 gigabytes but i wanted <laughs> more than 64 and i d- don't like the idea of taking a step back with battery i only yeah. want improvements in battery yeah that's fair so. I do agree. It's one of the fun parts of the classes is now I'm getting to know people and I'm like, oh, my friend Abby emailed us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, this one's from Mary C, who I don't think takes the classes because I don't know her. Or maybe she just doesn't speak up as much. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll get the new iPhone 12 because it's exactly what I need. It'll be a huge upgrade for me. I'm on an iPhone 8 Plus. Don't judge. Nobody's judging you, Mary. We're in a safe <laughs> place here. Okay. Uh, two more for you. I'll upgrade to the iPhone 12 Pro Max because I just turned 65 and I can't see my 10s Max. I need all the screen I can get and hope for, for better with iPhone 12. Critter pictures are a thing for me and I want to take better pictures of my squad. I mm-hmm. have an autoimmune disease that causes me to spend much of my time lying down and my phone is my link to the world. Increased battery life will make my life easier. Oh, that's nice. So I'm glad. I love these questions because I feel like everybody has such per- personal reasons why they are upgrading or not. And it's hard for us to kind of cover all of that. And it's nice to hear from everybody. So thanks to everybody that emailed us. I thought that was so cute too, taking pictures of uh, her squad. Yeah, that was very cute. Okay, so complaints and learning, and then we will be done, except for insiders who will have, uh, we're switching it up in case you didn't notice. We're doing complaints and learning for you all. So normally we do this just for insiders. So if you like hearing us complain, uh, then go subscribe to Insider and you'll get it every podcast. (laughs) Yeah, and this time around in our insider section, I'm gonna talk about the accessories that I've bought so far or that I'm using so far for my 12 Pro. And I have a good 12 Pro accessory as well for insiders. So stay tuned, insiders. Okay, the reason, here's the reason why I made a switch it for real though. 
which is I have a really good learning for everybody that I felt like was so important that I didn't want to save it just for insiders, um, especially because I've been complaining about this for a while. So Donna, you know how often I've been complaining about my battery life on iOS 14, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been really struggling. I have the iPhone 11 Pro, which should be totally sufficient for battery life. Before I upgraded to iOS 14, I would make it through the day and I would end at about 40% battery life. Like it was great. I never thought about it. I upgraded to iOS 14 and suddenly around seven o'clock at night, every night my phone would just die. Uh, so it was a huge difference. Um, and so I had some breakthroughs and I want to share them with people. You ready? Let's hear it. Okay. So the first one was uh, I switched my phone to dark mode. I had my phone, so it was on dark mode some of the time, but not all of the time. Um, and that did seem to make a difference. Uh, and so that's one of those things that will only make a difference for you if you are on uh, a phone that has an OLED display. Because of the way OLED displays work, each pixel is individually illuminated. So if you have a black part of your display, that pixel will literally be turned off. And it can save you sometimes as much as like, they advertise as much as like 50% battery life, it's crazy. I had a little bit of improvement, not a lot of bit of improvement. Um, but here's the thing that actually was making the really big difference. So it was a widget. What happened was I had my weather widget on my phone, but I had my weather widget location set to my location as opposed to set to like just permanently at one location. And so my theory was it was continually tracking my location to know where I was to serve me weather. And that's what was draining my battery. Isn't that wild? Oh, yeah. Wait, shoot. I don't want to. I wonder if I have that. Yeah. So this is why I wanted everybody to go check. So what I did is I just set my location. I went into the widget. And if you long press, it brings up, uh, you put it in jiggle mode and it puts up like an edit widget. Uh, and you can actually change it. And so I, especially during the pandemic, I'm not traveling very much. I just set my location for my hometown, which is where I always am anyway. So it made no practical difference for my ability to see my weather, uh, but it made a large difference for my battery life. I'm still, uh. by the end of the day, I'm on low battery and sometimes it dies, sometimes it doesn't. So I didn't, I don't want to make everybody believe that all the problems are gone because I used to like end the day like 30, 40% but it made a huge difference. Those two things combined made it so I could more or less make it through the day, which is a big difference from not being able to make it through the day. That's very good to know. Yeah, I'm like going and changing that right now because I, I have noticed definitely like a hit to my battery life on the 11 Pro. I haven't noticed anything with the 12 Pro yet, but like why have a feature on that is using more battery than it needs to, even it made if you're not having a huge problem? It made me really annoyed at Apple because it was the default setting was to have it set to my location and um, Apple should know better. Like this is the whole benefit of Apple is their hardware and, comp and software company combined and they should be pre preemptively protecting your battery by not doing things like that. And also like yeah. how often do they really need to track my location to serve me the weather? Like p 
ping it once an hour or once every few hours. Don't ping it constantly to drain my battery. And again, this is just my hypothesis, so I could be wrong, but it did seem to make a large difference for me. Cool. Yeah, it, it's kind of a good cautionary tale about widgets. Like we've been excited about them, but just that you do need to keep an eye on that to make sure none of them are big battery hogs. Well, and when we, so we have an article about battery drainage. And one of the things we noticed was a lot of people were searching for, do widgets drain your battery? And we were towing, we were, you know, giving the company line <laughs> accidentally of saying, no, widgets don't drain your battery because there's no reason that a widget should drain your battery. But this is a good reminder that widgets in and of themselves don't drain the battery. But if you have a functionality turned on on a widget that does, it can drain your battery, especially location tracking is known to. The other thing of my complaint though, is that Apple was not, cause I kept checking my, you know, the battery app to tell me what apps were draining my battery. And Apple was not telling me that this was draining my battery, but I'm pretty sh certain it was because I started by just deleting the weather app or the weather widget from my phone. And as soon as I did it, it solved it. Um, so I'm pretty yeah, confident that that, that, that was the problem. Um, and conversely, Apple kept telling me that it was Facebook that was the problem. And I deleted the Facebook app from my phone and it really did not fix it. <laughs> so Facebook is not my problem, thankfully. <laughs> cool. That's a good one, David. Mine, I already mentioned it when we were talking about hands-on, but I just, it was the fact that um, you do need, apparently, to have a 5G compatible SIM card. I knew that you have to have a 5G compatible phone to take advantage of, of the network, but you can't use an older SIM card. So for people um, in the market for a new iPhone, you want to think about that when purchasing your new phone. And Great. either get one from your carrier if you're buying it from the Apple website, or maybe just buy it directly from your carrier. Um, and so yeah, that's that was interesting. I, I didn't know that that was going to be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so if right, you everybody. enjoy our uh, complaints and learnings, then make sure you subscribe and become an insider because we do them every episode. Yeah. And I think that does it. It does. And just, um, just a reminder too, if you are enjoying this show, please go and leave us a review in the App Store um, and that helps other people, other iPhone enthusiasts like you find our show and we really appreciate it. It helps us keep doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So, um, and we did not add a question of the week as well, which I think it would be fun to hear from other people who are starting to get their new devices. I mean, I know that the new, um, the Pro Max and the 12 Mini are not available yet. But still, some of you are probably getting the 12 and 12 Pro and could let us know um, what your hands-on experiences are so far and if you're happy with your purchases. Also, continue to let us know about what your future purchase plans are. The HomePod Midi is going on pre-order November 6th and um, same with the 12 Mini and the 12 Pro Max. So email us at podcast at iphonelife.com to let us know what your experiences are so far and what you're planning to buy in the future. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for sticking Thanks. around. Bye.